0: I'm glad to be here. It's always a blessing to come be with you folks. I've got something on my mind tonight, and I'm going to try and preach it to you here a minute. We're going to read a little bit in Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. And then we'll also be a little bit in the 32nd chapter of the book of Psalms. We'll use one verse and really one phrase out of that passage. But we'll start in Hebrews chapter number 12. And I'm glad the preacher talked about that being tuned up, because I'm going to talk to you about that a little bit. Hebrews chapter number 12, and let's start reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, Wherefore, if you'd like to stand, some folks are standing, you can stand if you'd like to while we read the Word of God, if you're able. Hebrews chapter 11, excuse me, chapter 12. I preached out Hebrews 11 all last week, and so i am I got to uh, switch gears here. Hebrews 12 and verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of Him. For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom He receiveth. If ye endure chastening... God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? We'll stop reading there in a moment. I want to read a a verse or a phrase from Psalm chapter 32, and then we'll also be in the book of Leviticus a little bit later. But I want us to pray a moment and ask the Lord to help us uh, as we spend a little time in this passage of Scripture today. So let's pray and ask the Lord for His help. Father, we love You because You first loved us. And I pray You'll help us in the next few moments to say the things You want us to say, and to say them in the power of the Holy Ghost. And I pray You'll speak to our hearts. And I pray You'll get glory, not just out of our preaching, but out of our living. And we'll thank You. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. David said something in the 32nd Psalm that I think has a great deal to do with what we've just read in Hebrews chapter number 12. David had sinned. David, the man after God's own heart, David, the man who had been God's choice on the throne, had sinned. He committed adultery and then murder to cover his sin. And David said something in the 32nd Psalm that interests me. He said, day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. Thy hand was heavy upon me. You see, David could not get away with sin. He thought he could when he committed it, and he thought he could when he tried to cover it up. David belonged to God. And when you belong to God, you cannot get away with sin. So I'm going to say, well, preacher, I'm saved by grace, so I can do anything I want. You're right. You just can't get away with it. God is your Father. He'll have something to say about it. That's what the Hebrew writer is telling us here. He's telling us whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So we're talking about the scourging or the chastening of God. Uh, David used this phrase to describe it, that God will get heavy-handed with you if you're not right with Him. I wonder if there's anything between you and God tonight. Now, we need to understand, I need to remind you, and I know you know this, you are well aware of this, but I want to remind you, lest there be any question, we believe in what the Bible calls eternal salvation. Matter of fact, the Bible says over in the book of Hebrews that Jesus is the author of eternal salvation. That is not just the quality of it. That is the quantity of it. Once you get saved, you are always saved. If you've ever come to Christ and repented of your sin and believed on the Lord Jesus, if he, then He saved you, then you are saved forever. You cannot lose your salvation. Jesus said in John 10, My sheep hear my voice. Voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them all is greater than me, uh, greater than I. No man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Jesus said, or, or Peter said, we are kept by the power of God. I got saved on March the 10th of 1980 at about 11 o'clock on a Saturday night at 110 North Forest Street in Wayland, Michigan. I haven't always acted like I was saved since then. I haven't always been exactly what I was supposed to be since then. But I have always been saved since then. It's interesting. First John one nine. The Bible said this. You can look there if you'd like to. First 1 John 1, 1.9 The Bible said, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, in 1 John 1.9 we are told to confess our sins when we do wrong. But then the Bible said in 1 John 2 and verse number 1, My little children, I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father which is Jesus Christ the righteous. And He is the propitiation for our sin and not for ours only, but for the sin of the whole world. Now, I want you to think about those two verses a moment. First John one nine said, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, did you get it? If we confess our sins. But First John 2 and 1 said, My little children, I write unto you that you sin not and... If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Now, what's missing in first John two one that was in first John one nine? Confession. In 1 John 1, 9, in order to get forgiveness, I have to confess. Now, the word confess there is the idea of agreeing with God. It's not just flippantly saying, I did wrong. It's saying, Lord, You're right. I'm wrong. I shouldn't have done it. Help me not to do it again. I remember a preacher, dear preacher friend of mine, he got saved. And uh, he lived in a home where they used a lot of foul words. And he had learned to talk that way. And he got saved. And uh, the first time something went wrong after he got saved, he let out his... String of cuss words, and as soon as he did it, the Holy Ghost convicted his heart about it—that a Christian shouldn't talk that way. That's what the Holy Ghost does, Amen. And he, and he, and and, but he just couldn't seem to get victory over it. So he went to his pastor and he said, "Preacher, I can't seem to get victory over this bad language. I've talked this way so long. I don't know how to stop." And the preacher said, "Let me tell you what to do." He said, "As soon as you speak that way, as soon as something like that comes out of your mouth, he said, you go somewhere and tell God you're sorry and." Ask him to forgive you and say, Lord, make that the last time that I ever do that. And so the next time he let out a string of words, he went off by himself and said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I don't want to talk that way. It's not right. Please, Lord, forgive me and make it the last time I ever do it. Well, he did it a few more times, but every time he let one out, he would go somewhere and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Make it the last time. And you know what happened? One time it was the last time. He confessed his sin and God forgave him and God. God cleansed him, and pretty soon he got victory over it. Now, we have to, we have to confess to be cleansed and forgiven. But in First John 2 and 1, there is no confession. No confession is mentioned. It simply says, I write unto you that we sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate. Now, if you have one of them newfangled Bibles, it won't say Advocate. It'll say defense lawyer. A lot of them do. But Jesus is not a defense lawyer. You know what a defense lawyer does? He tries to prove you're innocent even if you're guilty. Jesus doesn't try to prove anything about you. An advocate is just somebody that takes your Side. Now, here's it's like this. Here's the throne of God. Now, remember what we read in Hebrews chapter 12? That He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So here's the throne of God. God the Father, seated on His throne, seated beside Him on His right hand, is the Son. Now, here I am, Brian McBride. I sin. The very moment I sin, the very instant I sin, the Son of God becomes my, who is my advocate, He takes my part. I, I'd like to put it this way, this may be a little fanciful, but really this is what happens more or less. The moment I sin, the Son looks at the Father and said, yep, he sinned, He's guilty, but He's mine, we bought Him, we're keeping Him, He's bought by the blood. He takes my part the very instant I sin, and I cannot lose my salvation. But I tell you what I have lost. I've lost my fellowship. See, if you're a son, you know what I'm talking about. You, you didn't cease to be the son of your father because you did wrong, but you did lose your fellowship. My dad said to me one day, Brian, I want, I'm i going off to work. I want the lawn mowed when I get home. But it was a Saturday. There had a lot of things to do on a Saturday. Places to go, out in the woods, catching frogs, out in the little fella. And so I just sort of forgot about mowing the lawn. And so when Dad come home, the lawn wasn't mowed. Now, I was still his son, and he was still my dad. But we didn't have any fellowship. It was not a good time to ask for an allowance. It was not a good time to get up close to Him. matter of fact, I tried to stay away from Him as long as I could. Because I knew what was coming. I was still His son, but I was out of fellowship. You know, the old-timers, they used to talk about keeping short accounts with God. I remember Dr. Jack Howes preaching one time, and he was talking about... He'd been in a meeting preaching with uh, Dr. John R. Rice... And the two of them were, and he was preaching and he was making an illustration about what he called appropriate humor. And he said, he said, you need to laugh every now and then. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. So he said, I came down in the morning and Dr. Rice was eating breakfast at the hotel. And he said, I sat down and I said to Dr. Rice, Dr. Rice, how did you sleep? He said, I didn't sleep a wink. He said, you didn't. Dr. Rice said, I was up all night confessing sin. And Dr. Hiles said, Well, as much sin as you commit, I guess it would take all night to get it confessed. And Dr. Rice looked at Dr. Hiles and said, No, Dr. Hiles, I was up all night confessing your sin. The old timers used to talk about keeping short accounts with God. Now that's what the Hebrew writer's talking about. When you do not, when you do not confess and ask God to forgive, then God must chasten you. Now, I want you to go back with me to the book of Leviticus a moment. And I want to give you an illustration. I don't have an outline really tonight. I know most of the time I have an outline, a three-point outline. uh, But I I don't have an outline. I just have this thought and this illustration that I want to give you tonight. I want us to get a hold of something tonight if we can. In Leviticus 26, we, we use in our Bible study, what we call the Law of First Mention. And what the Law of First Mention is, when you find something in the Bible and you want to understand it, you read it and you say, I don't get what that means. Go back and find the first time it's ever used in the Bible and normally that will explain how it's used throughout the Bible. We call it the Law of First Mention. Now, Paul, I believe, wrote the book of Hebrews. I wouldn't argue with you about it. When you get to heaven, you'll find out I'm right. And... uh. He wrote the book of Hebrews, and he talked about chastening. Somebody said, Preacher, what is chastening? It's a whooping. Amen. It's being taken out to the woodshed. It's God cutting a switch off the tree and helping you get your, as my dad used to say, giving us an attitude adjustment. You ever had an attitude adjustment? When I was in the seventh grade, I think it was the seventh grade, I'm a senior citizen now, I can't hardly remember, but I think it was the seventh grade. I handed in I handed in less than one third of my math homework. I was a little lost boy. And then I didn't do my assignments in history. And so on my report card I got an F in history and an F or not it wasn't history, it's was social studies and an F in math. And so my parents went and had a little conference with the teachers. I had old long hair. Down, down here, I looked like a red-headed Bigfoot. Had big old freezy long hair. And they went in and my, and my, when I got that F on my report card, first thing my dad did was take me to the barber and give me a burr. You know what a burr cut is? So when they went to see my, my teacher, he said, the teacher said, your son has a bad attitude. My dad said, I'll give him an attitude adjustment. He said, "I'll change his attitude like I changed his haircut." <laughs> and I want to tell you, he did give me an attitude adjustment. He tuned me up. <laughs> I don't know how it got on all that. But Paul talks about chastisement. Now, the first time the word, a form of the word chastisement or chasten, is found in the Bible, it's found in Leviticus chapter 26, and here's what it says in verse 28. Leviticus 26 and verse 28. Watch what it says. Then I will walk contrary unto you also in fury. At, were your parents ever furious when they chasten you? Oh, I know, I know. They say you ought not chasten your children when you're angry. I think it works better when you're angry. But anyway, <laughs> then I, I will walk contrary unto you also in fury. And I even I will chastise you seven times for your sin. Now here's the first time in the Bible we find the word chastise or a form of the word chasten. But I want you to notice what this chapter is about. Now go back to the beginning of the chapter leviticus twenty six and I want you to notice verse number three. listen to what the Bible says, God speaking to his people Israel. if ye Walk in My statutes, and keep My commandments, and do them. Look in verse 12. And I will walk among you, and will be your God, and ye shall be My people. Look in verse 21. And if ye walk contrary unto Me, and will not hearken unto Me. Verse 23 and if ye will not be reformed by me by these things, but will walk contrary unto me. Verse 24, Then will I also walk contrary unto you. Verse 27, And if ye will not for all this hearken unto me, but walk contrary unto me. Verse 28, Then I will walk contrary unto you also in fury. Do you get an idea what chapter 26 is about? Walking, isn't it? And what He's telling us in Leviticus 26 is that God wants to walk with us. Now, can you just imagine that? The God of the universe wants to walk with me. I remember when I first started out in evangelism years ago, preaching, you know, and traveling, traveling, and I would get in a meeting, and I nobody knew who I was. They wouldn't even let me lead in silent prayer. Nobody would ever heard of me. Nobody really, I mean, people were kind, but nobody really had time. But I remember Brother Billy Goolsby. He'd been in evangelists for years, pastored and preached, and he was well-known and, and preached all over the place. And whenever I'd get in a meeting and he was there, he would always spend time with me. He'd sit down with me. He'd say, "How you doing, brother Brian? We're so glad you're here." It really meant something to me for that man of God to spend time with me. Well, think what it means that God wants to walk with me, and He wants to walk with you. But you know what? There's a problem. There's a problem. Now I need. Some... I'm going to give you an illustration, and I need somebody to help me. Would you mind helping me, young man? Would you mind? I promise I won't hurt you. I see you sitting there, and you're close to the front. So I'm going to use you for an illustration. Now, what's your name? Nathan. All right, now, Nathan, let's say tonight that I'm the dad, and Nathan is my boy. Now, when I was a little boy, a lot smaller than Nathan is, my my dad was raised on a farm, and he loved animals. And I sort of got that from him. I liked animals, too. And we would go to the Allegan County Fair in Allegan County in Michigan, right outside the city of Allegan on the, I call it a city, it wasn't very big, but there was a fairground there and they had the Allegan County Fair. And, and we would go to the fair to look at animals. When we went to the fair, we weren't going to ride rides or play games. We were going to the fair because Daddy wanted to see the horses and he wanted to see the cattle and he won't see the hogs, and he won't see the chickens, cause that's where he was raised. When my, stay right there Nathan, when my dad was a boy, they ordered chickens from the Sears and Roebuck catalog. And they delivered the chickens in a box. And my dad had heard him talk about raising corn, and, I'll get that later, and raising chickens. And he knew that when they raised the corn, they planted it. And so my dad got the chickens out of the box and went out and planted them. And no crop ever came up. But my dad loved animals. So we'd go down and look at the chickens and the hogs. But in order to get to the animal barns, you had to go through the midway. You know what the midway is? That's where all the rides are and the people I call the hawkers so we're walking, and my dad's got his hand on my shoulder like this, like my hands on Nathan's, and we're walking. And we're walking along, and all of a sudden, we pass this basketball game. And this fella's over there, and he didn't talk to my dad, he talked to me. I'm the little fella. He said, Hey, young man! I don't remember what it cost. It like three, back then, three shots for a quarter or a nick or a, or a half dollar or something. He'd say, Hey young man, three shots for a quarter. And then behind him, he had all these, all these stuffed animals. I mean, some of them were bigger than I was. And he'd say, come and win this bear here or come and win this. And he'd point at these other prizes and all these stuff. And he'd say, I bet you're a dead shot. I bet you'd make three baskets. Oh, and boy, I'm telling you, the more he talked, the more I listened. And you know what happened? I'd start moving that way. And my dad's hand is on my shoulder. And you know what happened? His hand would get heavy. And he'd pull me back and we'd go walking on. And then we'd pass that ring toss. All them Coke bottles. And that would be up there and he'd be pointing at all these prices. Come on, son! Three rings for a quarter! You can hit it! you. And, and, all the, and, and, and you know, the more he talked, the more I started wandering, and my dad's hand would get heavy. I wish they'd call back later. And so, and so, he'd get, hand get heavy, and we'd go off. We'd go off a little further. We'd be going along, and all of a sudden, this is the worst one. This is the worst one of all. This is the hardest one. That guy with them BB guns, them little pellet guns. He is pointing at all the things you could win, but I didn't care nothing about what you could win. I just won't shoot the gun. So it's, hey young man, you look like Wild Bill Hickok. You can, you can knock this out. Son, come on. Only a quarter. Come on. And man, when he did that, guess what I'm doing? I'm headed that way. And that hand got heavy. And my dad would say, son, that's not what we came for. That's right. That's not what it pretends to be. He said, we're going this way. And that hand would get heavy. And I'm going to tell you if that hand got heavy enough, It could get right painful. But you know what it was all about? It was all about my dad wanting me to walk with him and love the things that he loved and not get sidetracked. Thank you, Nathan. I appreciate your help. So we go to Leviticus 26, and you know what it's all about? It's all about God wanting us to walk with Him and not get sidetracked. Because here's what happens. I get headed down the road in my Christian life, and all of a sudden I hear the devil or my flesh, and it's saying, you ought to try this. And you ought to go there. Sometimes Sometimes it'll talk to me. Sometimes the devil will talk my flesh. The world will lead me off on things. They'll want me to think about things that are not pure and not clean. Sometimes it'll be talking to my pride. Why, you shouldn't have been treated that way. You ought to let them know you're not going to be treated that way. Sometimes it's about bitterness. Sometimes it's about being untruthful. Sometimes, sometimes your flesh will say, now you can just stretch that a little. You could stretch that truth a little so they'd oh. be impressed. Surely I'm not the only one that ever has trouble with that. And what is all that? Here's what it is. God walking. The Old Testament prophet said, how? How can two walk together except they be agreed? And so God's got His mind on a goal for you and I. Whatever God wants to do in our life, it's for our good and for His glory. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And so God says, walk with me. Let's walk. That's what He wanted for Israel. He wanted them to walk with Him and be His people. But somewhere along the line, they got their eyes off, off on something else that God wasn't looking at. And they got to wandering. And God's hand got heavy on them. God does that with you and I. He gets that heavy hand. Why? Is it? Because He wants us to walk. And so when the hand gets heavy, there's a couple things that can happen. When His hand gets heavy on you, you could get mad. You could say, well, I don't like to be treated like this. Well, how do you want to be treated? You want God to let you go? You want Him to let you just go whatever way you want to go and get in whatever the devil has for you? Is that how you want to be treated? Oh no, I would rather God would get heavy-handed with me. You You read about David. You read about what his sin caused him. Fourfold, the sword never left his house. He said in one place, a loathsome disease in my loins. David, you, you you talk. look at what it cost David. And you say to yourself, I. you know what? It's a lot better to walk with God. Uh, because God has my good in mind and His glory in mind. So God says, walk with me. But along the way, if we get to wandering, then God will get heavy-handed with us. They'll be chastening. You say, preacher, what do I do? You get on your knees and you confess and tell God the truth. You repent. What happens? You get forgiveness. The writer of Proverbs said, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh it shall have mercy. I like that mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is the withholding of deserved punishment. I remember one time when Rachel was a little girl. She threw a rock. You remember out there at Camp Glory? She just she wasn't trying to be trouble. She just, you know, she saw a rock, thought she'd throw it, but she hit a car. She picked up a rock, hit a car, scratched a car. She probably should have had a whipping, but I was merciful. And I told her, I said, now, Rachel, and she went and told the man and apologized, and he forgave her and told her that that he wasn't going to do anything about it. I said, now, Rachel, God's like that. We do wrong, but when we come and we tell Him the truth, and we ask Him for forgiveness, He's a merciful God. That's right. Aren't you glad he is? Yes, oh, what a mess we'd be in! Right. We'd be in a mess if he wasn't merciful. Now there is a crowd running around today. They call themselves different things. Sometimes they call themselves the Grace Walk. Sometimes they call themselves the Graves, the Grace Movement. But they'll try and teach us that we don't have to confess our sin. But they forget about First John one and verse nine, which Paul or John was writing to Christians. Because he said, my little children. In First John 2 and verse 1, he's talking to Christians. And he's telling us to keep short accounts with God. Now, this is exactly what the preacher was talking about a minute ago when he's talking about getting a tuna. You see, God will not allow us to walk with Him and enjoy that walk if we're trying to walk a different direction. So He'll keep getting heavier and heavier until we get our hearts right. Now here's my question for you tonight. Here's my question. And this is really what revival is about. Is there anything hindering your walk with God? I wonder if there's anything in your heart tonight that is between, has got between you and God. And and what we want to do is we want to explain it away. We want to say, well, it's not that bad. But it grieves him. The Bible said in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talked about it this way. Grieve the Holy Ghost. He said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speak and be put away from you with all malice and be a kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I wonder if there's anything in your life tonight that's messing up your walk with God. I wonder if there's something in your life tonight that you have never confessed and gotten right about. You know what's going to happen? The hand of God will get heavy on you. Because God loves you too much to let you go. I love to read in the Old Testament where God talked about Ephraim, which was God's name for Israel when they weren't doing right. And he said, oh, Ephraim! Ephraim! How can I let thee go? He refused to. And He won't let us go. He will chasten us. And it's because He loves us. It's because He wants us to walk with Him. So I'm wondering this morning, is there something Or this evening, whatever time of day it is, you need to confess? I'm wondering this evening if there's something between you and Him. And maybe you've set it aside and maybe you've explained it away, but I'm going to tell you how dangerous it is. You can get to the place... Where you don't even recognize anymore that you're not walking with God. You remember Samson? He wished not that the Spirit of God had, had that God had uh, had left him. I can't remember the exact wording of it, but he wished not that the Spirit of God had departed from him. Wouldn't it be awful to get to the place where you couldn't sense the presence of God? So I'm wondering tonight if there's something you need to get right about. Something that's in between you and God in your walk. And it is it has not caused you to, to no longer be a child of God, but it's caused you to not be able to walk with God, nor fellowship with God, nor get your prayers answered, nor know the joy of being a Christian.